Thank you for listening to the First Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. Here you will be able to listen to all of our Sunday morning sermons. Be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss a sermon. Enjoy today's message. Happy Thanksgiving. That's pretty good. Just super excited about eating tonight. 6 p.m. Uh, Peggy, Peggy Michaels is heading that all up, and I hope you'll join us. It's just a great time, a family gathering. I don't get up and say anything. I don't preach anything. It's just a gathering where we eat together and we share together and enjoy one another's fellowship. If you're in the room with us today, I'm just super excited that you're here. Just, it, it warms my heart because when I step up here, I remember what it was like through COVID. And it was like the worst snow day at church. And, and now that you're coming back, and it's warm, and it's friendly, and I hear people say, this is the most friendly church I've ever been in. Been in. And I take that as a deep compliment of your faithfulness and your commitment, and you're willing to reach out. And it warmed my heart this last Monday morning as uh, the fifth graders and a few of our staff loaded up the trucks with your generous gifts, groceries for the food pantry. And, and uh, some of our folks that have volunteer in our food pantry said to me that uh, the food pantry people just really, really appreciate, appreciate your generosity. And they, they attributed that to me. And I said, that's not about me. That's about what you all have done and what God has blessed you and, and, and the difference that you make in doing that. And I hate, I hate to even say this because I really don't like to even talk about Christmas before Thanksgiving, but I'm going to take a moment. And if you're joining us online, please forgive me, but this is about you as much as it is about everybody in the room, is that this is the year where we are rebounding strongly in, in our in our attendance and in our worship services, and, and we're super excited about that. But you know, some people still aren't back yet. And I think that we've become an agoraphobic culture where we're afraid to gather. And, and that's a shame. And I know there's some challenges and there's some fears still going on. But I have with me, our communications team has, has designed these cards I'm going to carry four or five of them in my pocket at all times. And when I see someone either that's not attending church or used to attend church here and haven't since uh, the pandemic, I want to say, hey, I miss you. Here's our Christmas Eve services we're doing for, and also on Sunday morning, we still have church services at 8.30 and 11. And we would love for you to be a part of us. And you know, you can keep your distance. There's still room up in the balcony where you can keep your distance and maybe down here up the front. But there's, there's something about gathering that we were commanded, commanded to gather, uh, where two or three are gathered. Uh, he is there in the midst. And, and if you're on, at home and this, that's the only way you can do this, or you're just checking us out, I totally get it and I love it. I hear people all the time that can't be here and they follow us online. And so we're really happy that that occurs. But please understand, there's just a different experience and there's an intimacy in being in fellowship with community. And saying all of that, I, I want to ask you a question this morning. And, and, and the question's this, and I've got a few questions to ask you, so this is not the only one. But how much would you give to change someone's life? 
How much would you give of yourself, your time, your talent, your treasure, your talk, to change someone's life? Now, this, this is personal to me because I, I've, I have some old friends that I've had for over 30 years. And, and one of my friends, from the time he's had kids, he, 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 they had to adopt kids, and, and they've raised kids, and their kids went two different ways. And, and one of their kids, uh, he spent over half a million dollars in rehab trying to help this kid. He gave a half a million dollars to try to help this kid through drug rehabilitation. And the child is still homeless. And a, a, just a couple weeks ago, I was having a, a meal with him, and I said, how are things going? And this is where his heart is broken. He, he said, I don't know what I could do. I don't know what I should do. And I just lean in and, and talk to him. And emotionally, it's frustrating. And, and, and the, the uh, young person is dangerous even to be around. And at the same time, we can't give up hope. But at the same time, there has to be some boundaries there. But the question, you know, becomes, how much do we give to change someone's life? And, and I'm happy that we're involved in a church that, that sees globally. And, and gives globally that, that the mission of God is greater than just Brazil, Indiana, or even the Wabash Valley, or even the state of Indiana, but it, it's global. And I don't know if you know, realize this or not, but there are over 700 million, let me say that again, 700 million Christians in the continent of Africa. In fact, Africa is sending out missionaries to other cultures to evangelize. Now, that's nearly, that's over twice the population of the United States. And they're not 700 million. There's probably not 150 million devout, committed Christians in the United States. Or we wouldn't be in the situation that we are. Because democracy is built on People being good and moral. And when that fails, democracy fails. And that's scary, isn't it? But we've got to recognize that what we give, whether it's some canned goods or some staples or it's a few dollars, it changes lives. And we've got to realize also as as stewards of what God has given us, as he has blessed us, that that stewardship says that God owns and we manage what God has given us. Because everything is from God and everything is for God. (laughs) I wear an Apple Watch and if I say certain words like I just did, the Apple Watch talks to me. I may have to take it off when I preach. (laughs) So let me ask you this. This is another question. How open are you to give to people different than you? How open are you to give to people that are different than you? And a lot of times, the people who have the greatest need are way different than you all. I became a landlord about 15 years ago. And I didn't know that there was a culture that existed, and I was very naive. I learned a lot. 
about folks that don't have savings accounts, don't have checking accounts, can't, can't do those type of things. They actually exist in our community in the Wabash Valley. You probably, some of you probably realize that. You work alongside of them. But I work with you all, and you are a population that takes all that for granted, just like I did. That exists. We just don't see it. Now, I've got another question. Have you, and this is hard for me to ask this on the, today because uh, just the environment, the atmospheric environment that we're in. Have you ever enjoyed the shade from a tree? How many of you? Have you ever enjoyed the shade from a tree? And, and when we enjoy the shade from a tree, we realize that Maybe that tree had been planted from a seed or a sapling and it's grown, but somebody in advance planted that tree, if it's in your yard or if you have a landscaped yard or an area, we have to realize that somebody thought ahead. And I don't know, how many of you have ever planted a tree? Anybody? A few of you? Probably not everybody, but but a lot of you have. I have. And we know it takes years and takes cultivation and takes taking care of it. Now, I feel like when I walk into this building that somebody has planted a shade tree. I remember the first day I walked into the Family Life Center, into the gym as a youth pastor, and I was just so excited because somebody had planted a tree, and I was enjoying the fruit of that gymnasium and youth ministry. And we played basketball and ran men's leagues, and we played in that gym, and we killed each other in dodgeball, and, and we, we swang or swung from the, the rafters on ropes and knocked people nearly out, and we flooded it because we swung across swimming pools, and it was just so much fun. But I was enjoying... Something that somebody else planted that had a vision for. And, and when I came, there was a white round building that was an upside down circus, circus tent that had awful heating and cooling like we still do now. The adult wing is cold right now, but we're getting it fixed. But somebody had planted a tree and I was enjoying the shade of that tree. And, and as we sit in the chairs that we sit in, in the place that we sit in, this used to be grass in front of that circus tent that we existed in. But somebody had vision and built this, and you are here now because somebody planted a tree, and we are enjoying the shade from that tree. And so if we enjoy that shade, then I hope that our thought is that we will plant trees that others that... We don't even know that we may not even enjoy, because we only have a limited time on this planet, that we will plant for others. Now this morning, if you're wondering, we're going to look at Luke chapter 10, the Gospel of Luke chapter 10, and we're going to look at a story that we are very, very familiar with. And I want to set the context for for this story, this parable that Jesus told. You see, there are people that didn't like Jesus and they tested him. They tried to get him to, to, to foul up, to fail. And, and there was this lawyer. And now this is a different kind of lawyer because it's not the legal kind of lawyer that we are familiar with. This was a religious lawyer that studied the law of God. 
And he knew right from wrong, and he was testing Jesus, and he asked Jesus, Jesus, how do we inherit eternal life? And this is verse 25 of Luke chapter 10. And Jesus said, well, you tell me. He, he bounced that question back. And the guy said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength. And to love thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus said, well said. Well, the lawyer, the religious lawyer, wasn't satisfied. And he said, well, Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered with this parable that you all have heard before. In Luke chapter 10, verse 29, if you're following along. But he, Jesus, desiring, or I mean the lawyer, but he desiring to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now I want you to think about this because in the Greek, this word neighbor means that person near to you. Doesn't necessarily mean you're in your neighborhood. Doesn't necessarily mean somebody you know. In fact, the person that you're sitting next to may be your neighbor today. So it look to the person to the right of you and say, hey, you look really good today. Whether it's true or not, this is one time you can lie. And look to the person to the left of you and say, you look really good today. Hey. These are your neighbors. They are near to you. And, and some of you are thinking if you're sitting by a sibling, no way. Yes, why? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, this is fascinating because everyone that was hearing this parable understood that this was a dangerous road that went from Jerusalem to Jericho. And in Jericho was Herod's winter palace, and it was a 17-mile road. And the rich people... Rich people would have armed guards that would probably protect them. Now, I didn't, I didn't notice any armed guards coming in with you today. Now, the closest to I have to a bodyguard is Mike Heaton, who's sitting out in a foyer. And I hope that he would protect me. So I'm really nice to Mike. <laughs> but you would need someone like him to, to go down this road. That 3,300 feet of altitude that would drop was just a place where a lot of robberies occurred. And so they were very familiar. Jesus was telling a story, a parable, but he was also making it real. So today, in this story of the Good Samaritan, we're going to see three attitudes. And I want to ask you, which attitude do you identify with most? And the first attitude is this. What's yours is mine, I'll take it. That was the attitude of the robbers. What's yours is mine, I'll take it. I don't know if you've ever been around any robbers before or if you've ever been robbed we have some good friends. I, I grew up with some family friends that had been robbed in Memphis, Tennessee by gunpoint. They had been mugged. They were placed on the ground. Everything was taken away from them. And they were experiencing PTSD. And they never got over it in Memphis. So they moved back to Brazil, Indiana. Now, it wasn't a monetary move. It wasn't a good move. But it was a safe mood because they were scared. 
And you know, we, we typically, when we read this passage, we will buzz right by the robbers because that, we'll say, well, that, I wouldn't do that. We wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that. But then it comes to that heart question of how would I rob someone? How would I steal what didn't belong to me? And it could happen at work when we're doing personal business rather than taking care of the business that we were paid to do. It could be through things that are available at work that we just utilize for our own personal use. It could be through the IRS, which I'm not a big fan of the IRS, but, but when we sign on that line at the end of our tax statement, we're signing off that everything we said in that and what we declared is true. And, and when we talked before God and as a Christian, like I preached about last week in Matthew or Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, will a man rob God? And we've got to look deep within inside of ourselves and say, am I robbing you, Father? For all the blessings have I, I received, have I stewarded them? Have I given them? Have I done with, you what, with them what you would have me to do? You see, it's, it's, more about a mat, it's more of a matter of faith than it is a matter of finances, really. And the question then becomes, am I really faithful? Am I really faithful? Because you see, it's a heart issue. You need to have a heart for others, a generous heart. And if you ask the people around you that know you, would they say you are a generous person or not? Now, I heard a story, and it's it's interesting. It was about uh, a couple of kids that they were... um, vacationing in Florida on the beach, and two kids got out a little too far in the ocean, and they got caught up in a riptide. For us Midwesterns, excuse me, for us Midwesterners, we don't really worry about riptides or even really know anything about them. In fact, I was, we were out on a, a Mexico mission trip. We were doing some ministry and we ended up the last day in San Diego and one of my kids actually got out in a riptide. He was out with a group and, and he got caught in a riptide and he had to wait it out and float until he got out of the riptide. But he had enough sense to just be patient and to float and wait. Well, these kids weren't familiar with the riptide, and they were out in the ocean, and they were flailing, and they weren't floating, and they were about to drown, and mom was on the beach, and she was scared to death. And people tried to convince her, no, don't go out, don't do that, because you're going to risk your own life. You may lose your own life and drown as well, because they'd already given up. Well, that mom could not, not go to her children, and so she swam out. And then she started flailing as well. There were a young couple, a nurse and a fireman that were on the beach that day. They were having a picnic. And they gathered together a group of people, nearly 100 people, and they made a human chain. And they went hand to hand in the water and went all the way out in that riptide and pulled that family back in. They saved their lives. When I picture the body of Christ generously giving 
I see it like a human chain that, that reaches out. And because we are together, we reach out and save people that are far from God. And their only way back is when we work together and realize what it's all about. In verses 31 and 32 of this passage, Jesus goes on and tells a story about some religious people. And uh, I could relate to this because I could understand what Jesus is saying here. And, and it challenges me because I think I'm kind of religious. He says in verse 31, it says, Now by, a, by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Here were two religious guys that had been in Jerusalem heading to Jericho. They had the genetics. They had the training. And they chose not to see that man that had been beaten up and left by the road. And we see the third atti- or the second attitude here. You see, the first one was, what's yours is mine, I'll take it. But their attitude was, what's mine is mine, I'll keep it. And for us religious folk, that's a danger that we have. We've been blessed, and instead of being a conduit, we hang on to it. Because we all have reasons why we don't get involved in helping or serving or giving. A lot of times we're too busy or we already gave or, 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 or the famous last words is, uh, well, I've, I've done my time. I've done my time. I've done my share. And so I'm done. That's the death of a church when we get that kind of attitude because I sense in that an entitlement. Well, as long as we're still breathing... And we're above ground. God's not done with you. Amen? You see, the Lord wants us to get involved personally. And this last week on Monday, when the, when the fifth graders from Cornerstone came over and helped deliver those groceries to the food pantry, they got involved personally. And they were smiling and giggling and laughing. But in that moment... What you gave and what they were able to do made a difference in other people's lives. We've got to understand the religious leaders were more preoccupied. They had more important spiritual things to do than to help this bloody, naked man alongside the road. Folks, are we seeing the need? Now, I don't know if you've ever done this. Maybe you were walking in on the parking lot and maybe you saw a piece of trash and you didn't pick it up. Or maybe out in your lawn or in a public area, you've seen a piece of trash and you just kind of walk on by rather than pick it up. But, but you see what the religious leaders were doing in that moment was they were diverting their eyes away from that person that actually had need. Maybe we do it with the homeless 
that we see or that person with that grocery cart with all their stuff in it here in Brazil, which actually exists, or in the Wabash Valley, the homeless, and we divert our eyes. Are we treating human beings like pieces of trash and choosing not to see them like the religious leaders did? So that hits close to home for me. Jesus goes on and tells the story of a third attitude in verse 33. He says, but a Samaritan, and you got to understand something about Samaritans. I mean, a, a Jew would not even say the word Samaritan. In fact, they had another word that they, they were so prejudiced against those folks that were half-breeds, basically. They were Jew and Gentile. They couldn't even go into the temple that they wouldn't even say the word. But Jesus did to make a point. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Now, you might not think that the Samaritan gave very much, but that two denarii, one night in an inn, in an average inn in that era, would be one thirty-second of a denarii. So basically, he paid... Two months worth of staying in the inn. Now, let's just say a hotel room is $100 a night, maybe. Maybe not that much. But that would be like, what, about $6,000? This was significant. This was significant that the Samaritan took it personally. But, and also, here the, the Samaritan also must have been known by the innkeeper. Now, Jesus is telling the story. And Jesus made a point that the innkeeper must have known the Samaritan and his word was good and he had integrity because he was going to take care of this man. So we see the third attitude here, what's mine is yours, I will give it. What's mine is yours, I will give it. I remember we were in a, uh, I was on a Mexico trip. We were in a, where was that? Uh, Juarez. I was in Juarez, Mexico, and I was by myself. I was with a group, and I was checking out this mission so we could take our youth group there later. And I, I met the pastor. We were staying in the church next to the pastor's house, and I came in, and they offered me food and drink, and I, I took it, and I ate it, and he said, my house is your house. And I'm thinking, when do I say that to anyone? My house is your house. And he meant it because he was giving from the heart. Not from the wealth. In our, in, our, in our estimation, he would be very, very poor. But he was giving me what he had. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 22, 21. He says, do not lay 
up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust and destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Jesus said it's a heart matter. You see, we can't take it with us, but we can send it ahead. And my question is, are you sending it ahead? Is there going to be something in heaven because of what you've done here on earth? Now, this is not salvational. This is just managing what God has given, bringing it before God. See, your life is focused on sharing and giving just as God has blessed you as a conduit of what we've received to, to share with others. Is it focused that way? Focused on sharing and giving just as God has blessed you. See, generosity is counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense. How can I give away and, and receive? And how can I bless when I'm giving away? Now, what I'm preaching is pretty heavy. And some of you are, are maybe feeling a little bit tough. I, I, I want to ask you, are you up for a little bit of a challenge this morning? Kind of fun. Let's do something fun. Are you with me? All right, everybody raise your left hand. Okay, I'm counting. This is, this is an old enough crowd to know if, whether you got your left hand or right hand. If you're sitting next to someone and they're a little confused, help them out. All right. So I want you to make a square with your left hand. Make a square. Just make a square. All right, this is everybody should participate. You can make a big one or a small one, depending on that. Now I want you to introduce your right hand, and I want you to make a circle with your right hand. Can you do it? I wish I had a video of this. This would be great to post on Facebook. <laughs> can't do it, can you? You just can't do it. Here's the deal. This is the way it feels when you give for the first time. It feels awkward. It feels abnormal. It doesn't make sense. It's counterintuitive. But understand, work through that feeling because it will come to make sense. And you will be more like God. Because you remember the, the Bible verse that everybody knows, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave. And where would we be if God had not given his son for us? We wouldn't be sitting here today. In verses 36 and 37, Jesus says to the lawyer... Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, and he cut to the heart, you go and do likewise. That's what we are to do. Which of these three attitudes is reflective of how you typically live? What yours is mine, I'll take it. What mine is mine, I'll, I'll keep it. What my, what's mine is yours, I'll give it. Peter said to Jesus one time in Mark 10, 28 and 31, he said, See, we've left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake 
and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time in houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands, with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. And the psalm writer wrote in Psalm 119, Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Maybe it's time to plant a shade tree for someone else that they may enjoy it in the future to come. Today I want to challenge you Yeah, on Thanksgiving Sunday, if you've never started tithing, I challenge you to start tithing and test God. Try it for three months. And when you do, please email me because you're going to have a story of what God has done in your life. Challenge. Now, if you're already tithing and giving in that way, you get it. You understand it. I would challenge you to do something differently in your life if you're not already doing this. I'd say, you know, carry around an extra 20 or extra couple 20s or 10s or maybe you're, you're a Texan and, and you might need to carry some Texan 10s. You know what those are? Those are $100 bills. You said, Chris, somebody might rob me. Eh, I don't know. I don't think so. But here's the deal. It's just ask God to reveal in your heart who has a need and give to that. Or maybe look around in a restaurant and say, hey, I'll pick up that person's bill. Because the Lord leads you to do something like that. I would encourage you to do that. And, and I'd love to hear your story. That's what I'm going to do. So I'm going to try to do more of that spontaneous giving. And, and I'm not talking about the guy standing with the sign at the end of the highway, you know, the one that says desperate, you know, need food, need that. No, not the panhandlers. I'm saying real people with real need that God leads you to. Not soliciting, but you are brought. Because I believe that will bless you, but it will also bless someone else. And if you've never given your life to God and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, Lord and Savior, you need to do that first of all. None of this works without knowing Him as Lord and Savior and abiding in Him and receiving that blessing of salvation. This morning, will you please stand with me and I'm going to pray us out. But I'm just asking that the Spirit of God will work on your heart as He works on my heart as uh, we are called to live for Him. Father God, we are so grateful for the work that you do in our lives. And Father, we take for granted all the blessings, all the blessings that you give us. We're just so used to uh, having so much. And uh, it's because of you. Because everything's from you and for you. And most of all, Father, we're thankful for the greatest gift you've ever given, which is salvation. That there's, there's... no way that we could ever repay for that. And for folks, Father, that have never received that and don't know that and don't know that relationship with you, I pray that they would make that decision today 
whether they're online or they're in person today. But also, Father, we just, we just ask that you would guide our lives, that we would abide in your Son, the Lord Jesus. That when he talks about the greater things that will be done, that we will be a part of that. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you come this morning?